Welcome to SF Site Audio Reviews. The review for this podcast was inspired by news that Disney Studios will release their adaptation of the C.S. Lewis classic, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, this coming December. It's probably the best-known title in the Chronicles of Narnia series, but in anticipation of the Disney film, I've decided to read them all. Harper Audio published the entire series back in 2001, and they have recently re-released all seven titles, expecting renewed interest because of the new film. Each title features a different narrator, including such luminaries as Patrick Stewart, Michael York, Derek Jacoby, and Lynn Redgrave. With narrators such as these, every book should be a pleasure to hear. I'll let you know how things progress as I make my way through the series. Between 1950 and 1956, C.S. Lewis wrote the seven titles which comprise the Chronicles of Narnia. After all the books were published, many suggested that they should not be read in the order in which they were published. Instead, readers were encouraged to use the chronological order implied by the story within the series itself. Using this revised order, The Magician's Nephew, which was published in 1955 as the next-to-last title in the series, became the prequel to the series. While purists may prefer to read each book in the order it was originally published, the reordering makes sense to me, and it's the way I plan to read the series. The recommended order is The Magician's Nephew, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Silver Chair, The Horse and His Boy, Prince Caspian, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and The Last Battle. In The Magician's Nephew, the story begins when two young friends, Polly and Diggory, find themselves trapped in the attic study of Diggory's eccentric Uncle Andrew. I am delighted to see you, he said. Two children are just what I wanted. Please, Mr. Ketley, said Polly, I've got to go home. Will you let us out, please? Not just yet, said Uncle Andrew. This is too good an opportunity to miss. I wanted two children. You see, I'm in the middle of a great experiment. I've tried it on a guinea pig, and it seemed to work. But then a guinea pig can't tell you anything, and you can't explain to it how to come back. Look here, Uncle Andrew, said Diggory. It really is dinner time, and they'll be looking for us in a moment. You must let us out. Must, said Uncle Andrew. Diggory and Polly glanced at one another. They dared not say anything, but the glances meant, Isn't this dreadful? And we must humour him. If you let us go for our dinner now, said Polly, we could come back after dinner. Ah, but how do I know that you would, said Uncle Andrew with a cunning smile. Uncle Andrew's experiment involves using magic to send the children to another world. The experiment works, and before long the children find they have awakened an evil queen from her centuries-long slumber. The undoing of the spell also causes the ancient castle where they find themselves to begin collapsing around them. Frantically searching for a door to the outside world, the queen demonstrates her magical power to the children. The doors were dead black, either ebony or some black metal which is not found in our world. They were fastened with great bars, most of them too high to reach and all too heavy to lift. He wondered how they would get out. The queen let go of his hand and raised her arm. She drew herself up to her full height and stood rigid. Then she said something which they couldn't understand, but it sounded horrid, and made an action as if she were throwing something toward the doors. And those high and heavy doors trembled for a second as if they were made of silk, and then crumbled away till there was nothing left of them but a heap of dust on the threshold. Phew! whistled Diggory. This is what happens to things and to people who stand in my way. 
The terrifying witch queen follows the children back to London, and through a series of mishaps, the children, along with Uncle Andrew, the witch, and a hapless cabbie and his horse, are transported to a brand new world. Here they witness the creation of Narnia, and hear the beautiful song that brings it into existence. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice had begun to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory found it hard to decide from what direction it was coming. Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath them. Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth herself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune. But it was, beyond comparison, the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. The voice rose and rose till all the air was shaking with it. And just as it swelled to the mightiest and most glorious sound it had yet produced, the sun arose. Diggory had never seen such a sun. You could imagine that it laughed for joy as it came up. And as its beams shot across the land, the travellers could see for the first time what sort of place they were in. The earth was of many colours. They were fresh, hot and vivid. They made you feel excited until you saw the singer himself and then you forgot everything else. I'm not familiar with the work of narrator Kenneth Branagh, but he does a grand job with his four-hour unabridged title. Especially entertaining is his rendition of the talking animals of Narnia, giving each a distinctive voice. If you've never experienced the magic of Narnia, listen to the first book in this inspiring adventure, and I'll bet you won't be able to stop. Thanks to Harper Audio for their permission to use clips from The Magician's Nephew in this review. I'm Susan Dunman, inviting you to listen to audiobooks and read at the speed of sound.